got cameras stuck in my face a lot. <clears throat> and it's obviously beautiful that people were amazed by what was going on, the scenes, the dance moves, the energy, whatever, mm. while I was performing. But there was like a good couple of years where every single time I would leave the house in dark, dim lit nightclubs, I was phone getting phone torches, just like smashing my vision left, right and center. And it, it really started to make me feel very isolated and separate from the people I was performing for. <laughs> Welcome to Woke Wogs. I'm your host and resident Wog, Jarrah Volpe, here to navigate and facilitate conversations with the Wogs within my community that inspire me and hopefully you too. Now, if you're not familiar or not familiar <laughs> with the term Wog, it's a racial slur aimed at Southern European immigrants in Australia back in the day that has now been reclaimed and is celebrated as an identity affirming label. With that said, I want to draw attention to the ill use of this word still throughout the United Kingdom towards people from the East Indies, parts of Asia and North Africa. I want to pay my deepest respects and understandings to what the mention of it may bring up in you. Now for some quick self-advertisement. Do you have an event coming up and need an MC to make it a moment to remember? Well, that's what I do. I curate the optimal flow to any type of event and connect audiences to the messages that organizers are yearning to convey. Salt, great. Just DM me at the link attached and I can't wait to get involved. All right. In this episode, we talk about the lost art of the warm-up DJ, the stress and the anxiety behind the decks, and how Luke Vecchio crawled his way out of Revolver's cage to find his purpose all the way in Perth. This one is a tune. We're off. We're off. Beautiful. I'm glad. See, this is why I'm glad you're here because you're a man of sound. Yes, I am. I'm just like making sure the light's red. Yes. Red means go in, Dude, you, in the audio world. I'm calling you the people's champ. All right. I like it. I like <laughs> I'm it. I'm a fucking good roll. Let's roll with it. Whatever. People's champ, the candy man of Babylon ago. <laughs> uh, but most importantly, uh, Luke Vecchio. Dude, welcome to Woke Wogs. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. It feels really nice to be connecting with you and creating a space it's intentional and we get to drop mm. in and have a long long conversation it's not um a common thing these days where you get to actually sit with someone and have a long conversation you know most mm -hmm. of the time we've met through partying and dancing and it's like you know you're getting you get you get somewhat part of the way but there's loud music on and there's mm. dance floors surrounding you and stuff so yeah thank you so much for having me i was thinking coming into here i'm like yeah i'm gonna really sit down with luke and the full intention is just us yeah and that's, that's a privilege with someone like yourself who's an enigma, <laughs> who can be elusive in a lot of ways. And you were saying something before we jumped on and, and it speaks to the nerves that I always feel uh, and it speaks to, I think, what we're doing now, like the, the sense of being recorded. Yeah. It's wild, hey. It's a whole different thing. I definitely still get really nervous and um, it was actually my first ever guitar teacher um, when I was really young. I, you know, maybe 14, 13 or 14. It was like first couple of years of high school. And he was like, I was like, oh, I just get nervous. I get nervous when I play. He's like, great. That's good. It means you care. Mm. You know, like if you're not nervous, it means you don't give a shit about the outcome. Like it's about channeling the nerves. And like, do you, do you allow it to elevate you? This mm. like bubbly feeling. It's like, am I going to lift from here or am I going to let it kind of crumble and rattle me? And that's like so important to, I, I've carried that. I still get nervous for almost every gig. I still get nervous to like, I get so nervous doing something like this yeah. and being in front of a camera. Ooh. You know, like you just never know. It's good. like there's something about that pressure 
um, over the years, yeah, I just like, I've like learned to channel it and, and ways of like navigating that as opposed to like just avoiding anything that makes me nervous. Mm. Yeah, Cause that's obviously not helpful. Like nah. we would never grow. We wouldn't do all this amazing shit. You would, we would never podcast going on right now if you just like avoided nerves, you know? Dude, I have, mm. I really have. And, and slipping into what you were just slipping in. Okay, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> J- jump it on now that doesn't work <laughs> we're slipping in we're slipping in I want pull to slip on in. that thread I'm pulling on that thread <laughs> right, we're going there right. uh, but yes yeah, so, 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 <laughs> some great uh, thought leader out there and he was, he was a motivational speaker and he was saying like nerves are your body prepping you to perform at your peak Oof. wow mm. Mm. that's big yeah and, and as you said as before it's it's saying that something's on the line. Mm. Again, not to just keep dropping names here, but Matthew McConaughey says he always puts bets oh, on Matt. games. Man, that voice. Maddie. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah. In Green Lights, he says he always likes to put some money on it because it gets some skin in the game. Mm. There's something to lose. Mm. And that's the same when we're approaching a woman if we want to you know, yep. connect with them or going for that job or putting ourselves out there just like this. Like, there's yep. something to lose here. Totally. I might say something super stupid and look like a galah, you know, like nothing against galahs either. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic bird. But like, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, for me, like I'm, I mentioned this just before loosely to you, but for me, being on camera and being filmed has like a, a lot of layers to it. Mm. Over the years of DJing and performing, uh, I... I got cameras stuck in my face a lot. <clears throat> and it's obviously beautiful that people were amazed by what was going on, the scenes, the dance moves, the energy, whatever, mm. while I was performing. But there was like a good couple of years where every single time I would leave the house in dark, dim lit nightclubs, I was phone getting phone torches, just like smashing my vision left, right and center. And it it really started to make me feel very isolated and separate from the people I was performing for. Huge. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't inviting and it didn't make me feel connected to the audience as much. I felt like a monkey in a cage, just like dance, monkey dance, like do the thing, you know, like, and, and so for me, it's been a huge journey over the last like couple of years to like being solid in being filmed again and being on camera and like, like learning the distinction between authentic Mm-hmm. videography that is for a beautiful purpose mm-hmm. and for someone to have 30 seconds of fame on social media, you know, like it's very different. And, but, but back in the day, I, it was just like, I don't want to be filmed. I like even friends would like try and film at like things. And I was like, stop. Like I would really trigger me. I was like, stop fucking filming me. Like I used to think that the sign of a phone was like, that I was no longer part of the group, you know, like I was, yeah. the, I was yeah. on the outside cause I'm the thing being documented. I'm not the documentee. I'm like separate. And um, yeah, for, for me just being on camera and like opening up more to this world. Like I, I put a post up on, on Instagram the other day, like a real, which is huge, you know, so yeah. I mean, everyone's, everyone posts, everyone's got social media yeah. behind the scenes. Like we don't know what people are going through and yeah. like people obviously might see me as a confident person. I am like, we we film for like like an hour and a half, maybe two hours, for like a five minute clip on the reels because I would just it was like I was like hi hi you know it was like I felt so unnatural being filmed. It's personal. It's you, so you're personal. Being, you're being captured, uh, and I think a big thing, even just evolutionary, like we're always worried what people think. Totally. Yeah, what do people think of me? How do I fit in with my society, my team, my my pack, community pack mentality? Pack I mentality. want to fit in with the pack survival. And so when we. We grab it on camera. Mm. Everything's being seen. 
Mm. Even the things that I'm unconsciously not noticing, my ums, ahs, oh, butts, stutters. Right. It's hectic. It's hectic. I didn't even realise that there's like so many little nuances. I talk with my hands, I'm like proper mm-hmm. wog going on and I'm like watching a video being like, put the hands down. <laughs> put your hands down. What are you doing? <laughs> 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 You're exacerbating the stereotype. Like, you know, it's so funny. Man, like, it's great. It, it, it's yeah. great as well because then I also, I, you know, the Luke-isms, the yes. Jarrett-isms. Like mm-hmm. I also watch it, especially for me now that I'm getting out on camera more and more, and I do that for work. I do that in different spaces and I go, wait a minute, that's why people connect with me. Mm. It's that subtle imperfection, mm. that over-exaggeration mm-hmm. that breaks through that fourth wall of like, fuck, this guy's real. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think we're moving into an age of authenticity. Like yeah. I really can feel that. People don't want these fully fabricated, polished. Mm-hmm. People want to feel the humanness. It's like, yeah. I want you to be real. I don't want you to never um, never are. Ah. Like it would actually, because we're so, we're so like modernized and like domesticated in a way, it would be really weird if someone didn't say um or ah. Like if mm. someone was completely fluent and spoke like David Attenborough, I'd be like, dude, what's up? Like, you're, like, <laughs> you're all right, you know? Like, it actually is, like, strange. Like, that, that, mm. that is now the perfect. Like, those imperfections you, you speak of are now the perfection because it's the authentic expression of who I am, who I've grown up with, what language I've learned, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, that's big, man. I think there was that transition over COVID. Other people can align with this as well, that within lockdown we were so separated that mm. it, I think it burst that bubble mm-hmm. of that, yeah, just that fabricated reality that we were crafting and living in. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah, the, the, the superficialness mm-hmm. of, of seeing people in that way or receiving, even receiving information in that way. Like, I mean. Yeah, man, far out. Like, I don't know if you want to go there. Yeah, taking a pause. Yeah, taking a pause. Let's bring it back to Luke Vecchio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because there's something important here in your timeline. And I just want to take it back because this is about unpacking you mm. and you are an identity that's around you are Absolutely. somebody that for me when i see you on a lineup i'm fucking amped mm. and for those of you that don't know luke vicchio is an established dj around melbourne uh, I, I do call you the people's champ because i've heard many times even last weekend somebody just talking about their favorite local artist and you always are on the tip of the tongue mm. uh, and with that as wow. with that as well it's like they're comes this anticipation and you were speaking about like being that monkey in the cage. Mm. And I, you know, I only understood this a couple of times checking in with you, but there was a time where, yeah, you were that and everyone was coming at you and there was this, everyone was like, it's Vecchio set. It'd be a whole festival. (laughs) Everyone's only talking about that set when Vecchio's on, where are you going to (laughs) be? And so I'm curious, man, like Mm. that time of your life, because it's still like that now, but I think things have changed, which we'll get into. Yep. What is it like dealing with that sort of social and professional anticipation? Mm. I'm also going to add in personal into that because yeah. I've noticed a separation between my professional self and my personal self and this like, you know, sometimes you can put on the hat and you can like you can step on into the podcaster or the DJ mm-hmm. and then there's also like the personal unattached self underneath that that's like got their own agenda. But um yeah, it's it was huge, man. I like it's it's somewhat feels still surreal when I when I reflect on on that time in my life because, whew, I mean, I I I felt like I developed so much momentum around my performance and my art and my music and what I was doing what I was offering that it sort of like got out of my reach mm. and I and I didn't know if I could actually show up to the expectations that other people had of what, what a vecchio set was going to be like mm. and it was like I'd sort of um yeah I feel like I'd like 
kind of set up my own expectations that I didn't know sometimes I didn't want to be full energy. Sometimes I wanted to be inward or introverted and play like a, a different set. But I was like, I, I felt like Luke Vecchio, the brand, the image was epic dance moves, yeah, high energy, like what the fuck is happening moments. Like this, It's a performance, dude. It's a full performance, you know, and, and, and it's not easy to always get into that. Um, so, yeah, like at that time when there was this, I don't even, just this hype, like there was this momentum and it was crazy. Like It, it was, was, man. It was crazy. Like it's funny speaking about it now because I feel so separate from that time in my life yeah. in like a healthy way. Um, but, yeah, I, I struggled a lot. I struggled to feel like worthy. I had imposter syndrome a lot. Like I would constantly think that I wasn't the I wasn't as good as anyone thought I would and it, it would trigger me when people were like, that was amazing. And I was like... You're just saying that, you know, like I, I almost, I, I didn't want to believe yeah. that I was as good as people thought I was yeah. because I don't know why. I just was like, it was scary to step into that and like actually show up and be like, I am, you know, I am I, this thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I am this identity that everyone's painting me to be because you are so much more. I don't want to say the word, but you were in this mask, so to speak. You're playing this mask. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, it blurred the lines because I used my my real name. Like if I had yeah. if I had an alias, my name is like Lux or Lumens or something. <laughs> <laughs> like when people like would talk about a Lumens set, we're just rolling with the guys. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah, we're like a Lumens set. Or I'm not. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but this this alias of some kind, I would know that it wasn't Luke the human. It was this thing that I got to do and this mm. this beautiful job and play and hobby that I got to, to like do occasionally. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to show up, I'm going to put put the mask on, put the hat on and just do that thing. But having my real name meant that um, it was like if I, if I played a bad set, then Luke Vecchio was bad and wow. Luke Vecchio was the human and the profession and the brand. And there was this, that was like, like, um, so much compression, you know, it was like being in a bottleneck because I, I couldn't deal with with the pressure I was putting myself to show up that to that level every single time. Yeah. And, and that, so, so what was the dealing? Well, that led to a lot of substance abuse. Um, I don't know why I'm smirking now. <laughs> <laughs> bad kitty. Yeah, bad kitty. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's the way I asked. Yeah, yeah. And and what was the coping? <laughs> Well, if you ask, if you really want to know. Um, oh, yeah, like, like it's, we were partying. Yeah. We are partying. That's how we, that's how we were connecting. It's how we were like facilitating most of the environments that I was working in. And so I was just doubling down and I was using a lot of dissociative drugs and I was, I was actually like disembodying a lot. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be present in a way. Um, yeah, like I, and I was smoking a lot of, of weed at the time, like every single day. And that was also like, it was kind of like I was trying, I, I was struggling to deal with the pressure. So my my means of coping was like at any time off, any time that I wasn't performing was like, I was as off as you could be, you know, yeah. like free born trackies, Uber Eats on the couch, getting stoned. You know, it was yeah. like, I'm not, I got no responsibilities. I got nowhere to yeah. be. Like, it was like, I just didn't, I didn't want to have any responsibility because when I did have it and I had to go perform, it, it felt like it was so much to hold, like so much energy and expectation to hold. Um, and that was it. I mean, it facilitated 
my growth and my art in a certain way because it was like giving me relief, but also it was not sustainable. Mm. And like I don't agree with any like long-term unexamined addiction for, for a bigger, you know, for yeah. an umbrella word, yeah. anything that's like, I have to have this or I need to have this or I wish I wasn't doing this but I have no power over it. Yeah, it's substance in general. Yeah, anything- everything's a substance. Coffee, like you actually see everyone lining up in the morning. They're all lining up to get a hit. 100%. Even, even work, man. Dude. People are addicted to work because when they don't work, they're like, what, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, it's like they, they feel really like uneasy when they don't have something to do. Oh, Matt, I've actually been working with something really recently and people is my addiction. I grew up in a, a big Italian family and whatnot, and I, I grow a lot of purpose in my connections. Mm. And so what I really started to unpick, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm addicted to people. Mm. All my jobs are to do with people. They've always been to do with people. Mm-hmm. When I come home, if I'm dealing with a pretty interesting emotion, yeah, I know the thing that I, I coach young boys to do is, hey, reach out to a mate. Mm. But sometimes I know I'm just getting myself out of that time with me. Mm. Wow. And so that's the substance that I'm kind of like going, wait, when is this actually for what I think it is, socialising and connecting? Mm -hmm. And when is it just distracting from the work that I said I was going to do last week that I pushed back three times (laughs) in a row? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you're right. Any behaviour unchecked needs to be. Absolutely. Yeah, like that ran, that ran, that patterning and lifestyle ran for about four or five years. Like there was a lot of, changes happening and like my music was growing i was becoming more well-known i was playing my first festival sets i was getting to play main stages at dwarfs and all that stuff. so i was achieving and excelling mm. so that kind of that also stopped me from questioning and analyzing my behavior because it was like i was feeling the reward and the like oh i'm getting you know more well-known i'm getting opportunities yeah. and it was like well if the thing is growing don't question anything. You know, yeah, it's, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's moving, it's moving. Let's not look behind us and yeah. see like if, you know, who, who's pushing it. And the environment, dude. Oh, like, like, I mean, that's like how long you got. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It, we literally, my job, like I have this, I have this constant kind of thought that pops up and I've asked quite a few people this and it's because it's, it's funny, it's hilarious to me. Like I'm actually visualize, like spend a bit of time visualizing an office job nine to five where you roll in, you know, you sit at your desk and before your boss has said, hey, how's it going? He slaps a stack of drink cards in your hand. There's a bar. You can go get some vodka. Someone's kind of zipping around on a cheeky line, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's kind of like, imagine getting any work done. Like that's not actually no, like. But then you actually are getting the work done and you yeah, are succeeding. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 you are being celebrated. You smashed it last week, Luke. You got a raise. Oh, yeah, you got a raise. Like it's. <laughs> And so, like, it's so hard to, for me, it was so hard to question my own behavior and, like, my health. Like, uh, my health was just deteriorating. I was, like, I was feeling just unhealthy. I looked pale. You know, I was just, I was spending 40 hours in nightclubs and then just binging it on the couch, watching a whole season of something in a day on Netflix, you know, mm. like, every day of the week. And so there was no life balance. And because it, because of this reward, because of this, you're amazing, you're Luke Vecchio, you're you're a superstar, or whatever, it kind of stopped me from like checking in with with whether or not I was actually happy, healthy, um, content, mm. you know, like all these other things. Yeah, you got lost in the brand. Totally. Yeah. There was no separation between mm. Luke Vecchio, the musician, DJ, artist dude, and Luke Vecchio, the human just guy yeah like i'm just a regular person you know yeah, man. something as well that just come up for me that on on that note like the status that that people get elevated to 
DJing for some reason in the last couple of years, last decade really, has elevated to this huge superstardom. Like, mm-hmm. like DJs are like gods in this weird way. And people treat them differently. They think that they're more important. Like I've had yeah. so many people being like, oh, what do you do? Oh, you, oh, you DJ? Oh, you DJ? And it's like yeah. this like, oh, like I'm, my job somehow makes me more important now, you know? Like I'm not saving, like, I mean, I'm saving lives because we know how great it is. But <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> You are doing something special, but I think it comes again into the child in us, the teenager in us, like parties, cool kids, where are they at? You're playing the music that everyone is dancing to. Losing their marbles to, But they're yeah. releasing all that tension. Like mm-hmm. you spoke about that teacher to perform. This is their Uber Eats. This is totally. them on the couch. This is them loosening their belt and just going, let me release. Yep. And then also just to actually also celebrate the culture that we're from, Melbourne Night Knife has exponentially grown. Oh. It's put itself on the map and now it's really opened up from what it used to be, which when my brother used to party and whatnot, which was really scary, heavies, a lot of gangsters around. It yep. was like you got to know someone to get in or you should have, and this is going to sound really heavy, but like you would all hurt someone to get in. Like yep. it was that. Whereas now it's like open, come in, come all. Let's all yep. ex- experiment. Let's all enjoy ourselves. Totally. And really let's take this idea of partying to the professional leagues. Yes. Like they do in Berlin and whatnot. Absolutely. And and and, and I think Melbourne's been influenced heaps by European part, like music cities and we definitely have this music like city. That's such a fuck. That is great. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. I've yeah. never even said that before, but like yeah. it just comes out. It's like this. There's places. It's like Chicago, Detroit, yeah. Berlin. Like it's like they obviously have other stuff going on. Detroit made cars for a while, but yeah. <laughs> but like, you researched that for the podcast, didn't you? You just have to make sure you have something. Gotta do your homework, guys. <laughs> Gotta do your homework. You know, you never know what's gonna come up. But um, like hundred percent. Like there's like mm. these their their their, their identity is entwined with the yes. music culture. And I think Melbourne's has become. Melbourne is like the party capital of Australia. And it's the all the all like my my partner lives well lives lives with me now, but moved from WA. I'm not sure why this section's so clunky. It's like <laughs> my <it>. partner, um, <laughs> she um it's like it sounds like a lie. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Mr. Fake Girlfriend. <laughs> um well, oh, that's another thing. That's another yeah. thing. So yeah, she she grew up in Perth and they would. They grew up like part of their culture was growing up and seeing summer days, festivals, big yeah. days, blah, 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 and all these internationals <laughs> playing at the Sydney one and the Melbourne one mm. and then just not on the Perth one. Yeah. And it was actually so expensive to get flights over that like even, even just within that thinking that Australia is still divided in like Melbourne has this thing that WA doesn't and yeah. Melbourne and Sydney kind of like have this like competitive rivalry mm-hmm. around who's cooler and what's going on. But I really do think that Melbourne has like, Definitely, um, like elevated itself to being a world-recognized music hub, yeah. and internationals. You know, Carl Cox lives in Frankston, guys. It's amazing. Carl Cox lives in Frankston. It's incredible. Franger, like Frank- Shanger, Franger. No offense to you, Frankston. No, oh yeah, sorry, I'm- <laughs> Frankstonians out there. Frankstonians. I actually yeah. saw Cox the other day walk out of a Chappelle concert, and I actually had this feeling of like, bro, just how fucking good with Chappelle, bro. bro unbelievable. Bro. Bro. Unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> That's another podcast. We'll get you back for that. But picking this thing, yeah, because, okay, now we're understanding that everyone's wrapped up in this identity. I was mm. for a while as well and still shake it a little bit today just to yep. remind myself to do the things that I want to do in life, yep. not just attached to what the community is doing. You're five years in, you're progressing exponentially. You're the guy, but you're partaking all these behaviours and whatnot, and it's also being fed back to you by your environment, your friend circles, and as we've already stated, uh, excelling professionally. <laughs> but now there's a change. 
Mm, big one. When did that happen? I'm going to say 2019. I think that it was like a pretty kind of curve. It was like a soft curve. It was mm. sort of, you know, things things were just start dripping in slowly. But 2019 was probably the most, the start of when I really can acknowledge like a transformation in my my values and my ethics and like what I, the life I wanted to live and whether I was satisfied with just being a DJ and whether I had more to give to the community mm. or more to give in music or in art or, um, yeah. So, so 2019, it definitely coincided with, with falling in love. Like my partner now, Molly, she's just the most incredible like human I've ever met. And we were best friends for a long time, lived as housemates. And, um, in sort of 2019, like we got together around 2018 by 2019, it was like, she was showing me that there was validation and love and nurture energy existing outside of a nightclub. I didn't have that. We would go for a bushwalk and I would come home and feel charged. We'd go down to the Great Ocean Road and spend a night sleeping in a car and by the beach and then go for a little stroll, have a swim and drive back. And I would like take a weekend off to do that and be like, oh, I feel fucking wow. amazing. I feel amazing. I'm like, I don't feel crusty. I've saved like sometimes like a thousand dollars, you know, like it was expensive to go out five nights in a row and like sustain the the party. And so this, this definitely was a huge catalyst. And like, it was like I was being shown that there was more to life than mm. Chapel Street and DJing. Yeah. And, and obviously just for the record, like there's nothing that I, I have no um, animosity or like heavy feelings towards Chapel Street and that hub. It was just for me, I lost myself in it. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't the, the scene, it was my connection to the scene. Yeah. And I think that's with everything. Like with any substance or behavior, it's like it's not the thing. Like alcohol isn't bad. It's a benign chemical. Like mm -hmm. it's just a thing. It's our connection to it or yeah. drugs or work or you know, whatever we that we find kind of comfort from. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I was sort of really wanting to start pull back. I was like, oh man. Just that lifestyle I've been living just doesn't feel sustainable. I'm starting to feel really good. I'm exercising more. Mm. I'm going on these beautiful hikes. I'm seeing the sun and the and the country that I live in. Like it's you know it sounds so funny because it's actually like I was like it's true. I was a vampire. Normally when I'm making a transition, I, I call it like the soulful itch that my soul or my higher mm. self is like, dude, it's time to move now. Wow, you've done this. Yep. And it starts to trickle into places and I'm like, where the fuck did that voice get in here? Yep. Did you notice that? 100%. I've never thought about it in that way. That is, it sums up to a T. There was this itch mm. that was coming from somewhere else. You know, it was coming mm. from deep within. It wasn't like my ego, like Luke Vecchio is like, I'm a fucking superstar. I do this, I do that, I do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm amazing. And then it's like underneath, it's like, Mm, I don't know about this, you know? Like, I don't know if we can do this for a little longer. Like, yeah, this, I'm tired, bro. Like, I don't know if you're realizing upstairs, <laughs> I'm tired as shit, you know? Um, yeah, so, and then, like, I, I also, like, getting into production, that that was huge for me because I sort of hit a point where I was starting to become, like, not fully satisfied with just DJing. And, I, and I've been making music for as long as I've been DJing, mm. but something really clicked into gear around that time and I really started like wanting to know more about music production I had I, it's like I had more to say you know I, I I kind of maybe hit the precipice of what I could say with other people's music and I was feeling a really strong call to now speak my own truth and have my voice with my music wow. and that also meant like I, I couldn't have a productive creative day like for me creativity is is a channel and 
it, my channel needs to be open and clear for inspiration and ideas to flow through me. Like I genuinely believe the universe creates through all of us. Like mm -hmm. we are just kind of beautiful avatars that are playing out this huge cosmological game. And that that was like getting in the way. DJing was getting in the way. I, I would I would have these sloppy, lazy, unmotivated, mm. uninspired weeks. Mm. And it's funny when I say week, it was like I would be finished partying on a Monday night. So then I would have Tuesday, then I would have Wednesday, and then I would be back at revs every Thursday. So my week was my weekend. So I only had two days of downtime. And in that time, I wanted to be creative and I wanted to be making music. And I, my my lifestyle wasn't supporting that. So I think like. Yeah, do, like falling into a beautiful, nourishing and loving relationship and then also falling further in love with creating music, my own music. And, and those two things started to really expose the short-sightedness of my mm. DJ lifestyle. Like mm. it just became very apparent that like this can't last. Like yeah. it's not, it doesn't have legs on it. Like there's no way I can keep doing this. Yeah, it's I, yeah. the next phase. Mm. And then you, then you fully unplugged. I went off the grid, bro. <laughs> you were out, out. You know, they they say like the pendulum swing, you know, you let go of the marble. It had, I was so deep in it that for me to feel the real effects of stepping back, it was like the pendulum had to swing as far as I was in that world. It had to swing just as far out of that world. Wow. I deleted my Facebook. I deleted all my social media. I moved over to WA for a little while. I was living over there with Molly. Um... I just, yeah, I unplugged like to the purest extent of the word. Like I, there was no way to even contact me. I wasn't, wasn't responding to my phone. I became like this urban legend almost. Yeah, you know, it was, quietly, literally. Like it was so funny. Like I, The people, enigma. Yeah, like, <laughs> like my friend Jack, like longest standing all-time best friend, JB, um, he he would have, people would ask him. He was the interpreter, bro. He was the interpreter. Oh, like where's Luke? He's like he's he's there. He's there. <laughs> yeah, like, what bro, the fuck like, do you mean, yeah, bro? Yeah, yeah. Like and it's like so funny that that to me that that was what I needed. I needed to yeah. just I needed to cut ties mm. in a way, energetically more than physically. Like it yeah. wasn't like I actually don't didn't want to be friends with the people that I was. I just needed to just completely sever myself from this whole world and this whole lifestyle, and then. I mean, at the time, I didn't know what I was doing, but what ended up kind of playing out was then like one toe in, one toe out, one foot in, okay, bring it out again, you know? And I slowly started to find this balance of like what what, mm. what I really feel like my purpose is now and mm. what I'm actually here to do. And to me, it's very obvious now that I can't be the best, healthiest, most inspirational and, and kind of highest version of myself if I'm in a nightclub breaking up my sleep patterns four or five nights in a row. It's just, it's just not, it's not available now. It's off the cards. Mm. I won't do it. And I know everyone listening would want to hear this. What is that purpose? Well, I mean, that's a huge question, right? <laughs> um, I feel like for some reason this moment is feeling like I'm, I'm tensing because it's like I haven't actually voiced this before. Mm. You know, it's like an internal thing. We, <clears throat> we feel this like soul calling and to actually voice it feels like, then also comes the accountability of like, well, are you going to do that? You've said mm. it out loud. You've said it on a podcast. Now you're going to fucking show up and do that thing. But um, I really- Skin in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a bit of skin in the game. I really feel like I'm here to give back and to share wisdom and insight. And I want to bring everyone that I can up to my level. Mm. And that's not said in a hierarchical way. Like I'm up here, I'm the DJ, blah, blah, blah. And I want you can come live with me. 
it's more like I've gained a shitload of experience over the 10 years that I've been performing. Um, I understand music on a very intimate level and I've spent a lot of time nerding out into understanding frequencies and psychoacoustics, like how the brain understands sound, how wow. we've actually evolved to perceive sound, why things sound good, why things don't sound good. And I think that like, I want, I don't want to kind of hold the keys to the city anymore. I want everyone to get a, Oh, let's go to the key cutters and let's give everyone mm. a key, you know, like, mm. um, cause, because I can see that it's not sustainable for me to be performing. So I want people to have the tools and access to the resources that I have that I feel like have given me the the X factor and given me the energy to be able to perform at the level I do. Wow. And so with that, it's kind of very multifaceted how that's going to play out. I'm still not sure of the end goal. I think, you know, I definitely subscribe to a view where I set the coordinates and then once I launch, I allow the journey to unfold. I'm not like, I know what I'm going to do. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. So it's still in the birthing process. I am doing sessions with people. I'm starting like a website online. So there can be like some short courses, which is kind of advanced DJ lessons, advanced Ableton production, advanced music theory lessons. And then there's going to be a course. I'm, 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 I also became fascinated with sacred geometry and like the elements of, of the universe. And so I'm doing it in the the whole course is going to be broken up into elements. So the fire course, the energy of fire is DJ. It's expressive. It's performance. Mm. The air course is music production. You're using the airwaves and it's air is associated with the mind. So it's mental energy. It's like you're, you're processing, you're thinking, you're problem solving. Water course is going to be a deep dive into frequencies and sound and psychoacoustics and all that sort of stuff. And then the earth course is music theory, like the roots, the, the grounding of like why, you know, just like music theory basics. Um, that's really exceptional, dude. Thank you. That's exceptional. It's, it's exciting. I haven't, um, I haven't actually shared this out loud. So I thank you for creating a space where I can like, this feels like it's my evolution. Um, and I, and then, and then I, I have faith that the scene is going to be nourished, not by me being there on the front line, but supporting and, and empowering other people to be there, Mm. you know? And like, I don't, I have no interest in stealing the spotlight. I want everyone to be able to experience the magic that I have where there's hundreds and hundreds of people in some cases, many thousands of people at some festivals like that are united and they're loving each other and they're having this unified experience that feels like, it feels magical to facilitate that. It doesn't feel egoic. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a special space. Like I think as much as it can lean into, as we said, unchecked behaviors and getting lost in a cycle and being in a scene, but being out of the scene of life, there's also a place where beautiful connections are made. I mean, us. (laughs) I literally only know you from Boogie Beats, bro. Like it's, and and that's wild to think that like, what if I just never got booked for a Boogie Beats party? I didn't even know about the brand until I got booked. And then I went to one and, was just like never missed one up. You know, it was this, yeah. it was like that. Yeah, the scene has a beautiful way of bringing people together and supplying community. Yeah. And what I've what I've seen now over over the years, which is really beautiful, is intimate communities being developed within the scene. Yeah. And then they break off and they and they they still do the thing and they party and they have a good time, yep. but they then have their own little hubs. Yeah. And there's like the lemon tree crew. Yeah. And there's like, I mean, you guys have the spaceship here. There's yeah. like you, these little hubs. The circadian. You circadian got crew. The boogie beats crew. You got all that sort of jazz. And it's true. And and I think there's the thing about partying. And I, I'm sure even if you've never been to a duel for the same sort of clubs that myself and Vex have been to, just being in the crowd mm. where everyone's on the same level 
It's incredible. Like we actually do, there's like quite a lot of uh, evidence that indicates our brainwaves synchronize after 10 minutes of listening to music, any music. Really? And parasympathetically between two humans, it's like it's evolutionary part of our need to survive that if you and I are sharing brainwaves, we have access to similar thoughts, similar feelings, similar approaches. Mm. And if a whole tribe is, is, is oscillating with similar brainwaves, then they're probably got a higher chance of surviving than some wild card out in the backfield. And then, you know, people just lying around in like full creative bubble and then warriors carving spears. Like, it's like, no, we all go, we all go hunt at the same time. Then we have chill and then we eat like it's cohesiveness. And so we, we truly get to experience that on a dance floor where it, it, like people dancing together for a prolonged period of time absolutely unites them. Not, mm. Not just on an emotional, like, I feel like I met, I met this friend and I feel good, but like on a completely physiological level, mm. we synchronize, we harmonize. And mm. that is just powerful beyond measure. Man, thank it's, you for coloring that in. Thank you. Like, like I, mean, I love that. I love when the science backs up the feeling. Totally. We've been feeling it millennia. Yeah. That's why we j- jump, jumped around a fire banging drums in Africa mm. millions of years ago. Like, we have this primal need to dance. Movement is so part of our regulation. Mm. Like it's also this thing, uh, you know, I've never seen an animal escape an attack, whether it's like a deer outruns a tiger and not shake it out. Yeah, man. My yeah, ducks, ducks do it as ducks well. Do it as it as my, dog, my dog Lucy's little chihuahua thing. <laughs> like you drop a spoon on the ground, <laughs> ooh, shake it out. Like, they don't, they don't hold in their body. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've, I really believe like there's so much now coming out around like somatic experiencing, somatic mm. therapy, getting the body on board with therapy. And we, we've had access to that. Yep. Our entire evolution, it's dance and it's movement and shake it out. Mm. Literally like the, the phrase, like, oh, I'm just going to shake it out. It's like you actually do. That's yep. the thing. You, like that actually helps us. It heals us. So many things coming in. And you, know, you speak about that, like that collective brainwave. Being someone from the scene, do you feel like it's also elevating and maturing right now? Are you feel like you're having these sort of conversations and especially with like mm. the reality of festivals and whatnot, being on the downturn, not mm. getting the turnouts that they're looking for, people more than ever not drinking mm. and not doing the things they used to do that would allow them to spend those thousands of dollars. Yep. What's the precipice it's, that they're at? It's funny, man. I, I actually see it dividing in two ways. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I don't, I don't, in my experience, I don't see the whole scene evolving in one direction. I, I'm really seeing this divergence. And on one side, yeah, sobriety and people wanting to connect in a sober state and uh, be more present with each other and have more like intimate gatherings and intimate festivals and intimate uh, events is absolutely on the rise. And I'm seeing, I, I feel blessed to be a part of some communities that you know, and, and just to also clarify, like, I don't think sobriety is a virtue. I think awareness is a virtue. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think that being sober is better than being intoxicated. For me, I wanted to be aware and my awareness was guiding me that I needed to take a break from that lifestyle mm-hmm. to be the best version of myself right now. You're speaking about the intention. Exactly. It's the intention is, is, the, is the virtue. Like, yeah. be authentic, be real, follow your heart and your soul. And wherever that guides you is great. 100%. Like my dad has drank wine every day of his life, one glass with dinner. It's my normal, man. One red wine with dinner his entire life. I've never even seen him drunk. Mm. 
But he is like, that is his ritual and it's in balance and he loves it. And I mean, he's worked in the wine industry. He's like a connoisseur, incredible mind. Like, like I, I definitely, my knack for music is, is exhibited in his understanding of wine. And it's, just, it's funny because my brother's wow. a barber as well. And my brother is like, you got a brother? Yeah, older brother. He's seven years older than me. No way. Yeah, Jordan. He's really inspiring person. Like growing up, him being seven years older as well, it was just the two of us. Definitely sort of idolized him a lot and saw him as as quite a a, a mentor and a role model because, mm -hmm. you know, like when I was 12, I was like my first year of high school, he was 19 and he was out in the world drinking, driving, experiencing, partying. like Driving a, and drinking separate, by the way. So separate, so separate. <laughs> No, no, no. Joke. Of course, of course, of course. Hey, I'm here for you. That was a bit of a tangent, but to get back to the sobriety thing, seeing the scene kind of going in these two different directions, like I think people are valuing more connection. Unfortunately, from my own experience, I can't speak about the greater situation. I can only speak from my own experience. And mm -hmm. obviously that's implied with two people having a conversation. Like everything I say is what I believe and is what I think. For um, sure. I, I'm no... And that's why it's a value though. To totally, totally. Because like that's how we learn from each other. It's yeah. like we share that. I'm not a, an authority on anything. I just have things to share. And if it resonates, it resonates. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But in my experience recently, I feel like the attention span is decreasing. Mm. And... It actually concerns me quite a lot. I definitely, I wouldn't say I lose sleep over it, but I think about it quite mm. a lot because in the social media race that we live in, people are so used to instant gratification. They want information instantly. They want it. And and when one information source starts to get a little dim, whoosh, we want another one mm. straight away. Yeah. And so yeah. dance floors, I don't feel are as receptive to long winded music. Mm. I feel like I'm programming my sets more fucking pow, 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 just fucking fire, fire, mm -hmm. like tracks, bang, like bangers, not this like simmer and groove and then build and crescendo to a big moment and then simmer back down and then build again. It's like I come in and even that that's even for me, I'm experiencing that within warm up DJs. Like I, I used to yeah. get to clubs and I would have, I would get in. And if I was, when I was first started getting booked as a headliner, I would sort of get in around 122, 123. And I had BPM. That's the tempo. It's kind of slowish. Um, and it means that I would have a lot of room to move and I could pick it up if I wanted, or I could keep it slow and keep it mm. spacious for the body and bring it up when I felt like it. Nowadays I get in and it's at 127, 129. I recently jumped on in a gig and someone was playing 132 BPM, which is really, really fast. I don't actually play any music that fast. The last mm -hmm. few times this has mm -hmm. happened, I've literally just like faded their song out creatively, musically, but just faded their song out, allowed for a small clap and just started silent. Mm -hmm. Started from, from zero because mm -hmm. I actually... And, and, you know, in, in the, the reason that I'm, I'm talking about this is because for me, the beautiful experience of getting lost in an euphoric and ambient DJ set for an hour can't be captured in 16 seconds on TikTok. Mm. What can, can a huge fast paced drop that's strobe lights, confetti cannons, white noise, boom, video's over. Yeah. In that thing, it's like, yeah, I want to go there. You got your hit. Where's that? Yeah, I wanna, yeah. like, why aren't we going there? Oh, let's listen to that music. What track is that? You know, yeah. it developed, it, it's developed in this way that it's so gratifying. Whereas a video of some people 
<laughs> tapping their toes and, you know, and they may have been there for a couple of hours and they're like, oh, beautiful, beautiful. It doesn't have the same zing. No. And so with, with, with younger generations, 18-year-olds and younger consuming so much social media, mm. I think that um, it's, it's stifling their appreciation for long-form, long-winded, slow-release dopamine and experience mm. across the board. Mm. It's not even just about music. This is just prevalent everywhere. We're like an instantaneous society. We 100%. want everything straight away. 100%. It's crazy that you say that, man. I was thinking about Ethan, who's an incredible DJ within mm. the scene. He did that at uh, Artet uh, and it was just all high. I remember I was sitting there, I was like, wait, one thing my little brother told me who runs parties around Melbourne, he was, was like, you can't do that as the warm-up DJs. You need to be building up for that point. But now mm. no one gives a fuck. They just want to hit it hard, hit it fast. And Ethan came on and I'd like been there, but I was dancing because I felt like I had to dance. Yeah? 100%. I was like, it's, the music's heavy, the beat's fat, but I feel like I hadn't been given any time to warm up. Mm. It's like I've just run in the gym and now I'm squatting a hundred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not comfortable doing it, but I want to do it because I want this, this, that. I, I, everyone's giving me the, the, the cues that this is a good time. Everyone's smiling, everyone's high-fiving. He shuts it off and, you know, he starts playing. And I was just like, I was there, man. And I was like, damn, what's happening here? And mm. I could see him just like doing his thing. And as you said, man, I felt space. I felt this build. And after half an hour, I was at a point of euphoria. Yeah. And I was like stone cold sober as well. So I was really looking for the vibe. Yes. Yeah, I was really attuned to it. If I'm intoxicated, everything's a vibe. Great, exactly. I can get into it. I'm not even conscious of what really is happening. And I'm excitable anyway. I just yeah. want to do the thing. Whereas here I needed it. I needed that substance. And when you were talking there, it was taking me there because at the end of it, I was jumping, man. Mm. It could have been Rainbow Serpent 2018 when it was a vibe and me going bananas on a friggin' esky. Like I was like, whoa. Yeah. We started here, then we got here. Not we're just here, yeah. here, here. I don't want to bring any sort of freaking sexual connotations into it as well, but it's the same in, in making love as well. Man, let's savor it. Yeah, take, take as much time as we can, take people. Take your time, man. 100%. It's, um, there's a reason in most recipes start with preheating the oven. Dude! Like, it's fundamental. Thanks, let, Vex. Let, Thank you. Let it, let it brew. <laughs> let it warm up. Like, yeah. Let I, the onions simmer on the pan for a little caramelize while. Caramelise those bad boys <laughs> before chucking them in with the roast potatoes, you know? 100% chitch. It's fine. There it is. There, there it is. is. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I mean, side note, Ethan is a master of his yeah. craft. He's been DJing years on what I have, and I grew up just in awe of, of what he did. He was doing hip-hop sets at Killing Dude. Time, hip-hop sets in St Kilda, slow stuff, breakfast club, like raging high energy parties like he um he he understands it he knows mm. he knows the flow of music and i think that um i think that there's definitely something to be said for the younger generation of djs who want to be stars mm. like i actually was thinking about doing a little video on this recently and and maybe this can just be the the video but like the the era of the warp dj is is kind of fading and for me when i first started i was actually taught how to warm up a room. Mm. Like I was like educated on the nuances of reading body language and feeling how much the subs are working so it's not too heavy. It can be, the track can be sexy and big, but it's not punchy, it's warm. And you, you allow room for abrasion, like a textural approach as well. Like let's have soft sounds, live instruments, vocals before we're getting into techno stuff. Mm. You know, like it's the whole approach of seeing this bigger picture and there's like, I'm a piece in the puzzle. I was, I warmed up at 161 for 
maybe three years. I can't remember exactly, but I was a resident there on Fridays for about three years, three, three or three and a half years. And I would do the warm-up sets. I would either open or I would play second. And that was like, I cut my teeth there. I, mm. I learned how to read a room and how to entice people and not to, you know, get everyone on the floor at the one time because that's also not like longevity. I mm. want people, I don't want people to burn out by 5 a.m. It's fucking midnight, you know, like let's, let's get them going, get them feeling good, but keep them talking, you know, let mm. them keep socializing. There's going to be a moment later in the night where no one's talking. Everyone is in the music, just lost in it and having a sick one. It doesn't need to happen at midnight, you know, like we can, we've got patience. It's important to also not be the star. Like mm. in that situation, me being the star of the night was doing my job. My job was to warm up. And I think younger DJs now that are up and coming haven't had that experience, haven't had the environment that honors that still to the same degree that it used to be. And so their idea of warming up is being the star. I'm going to get my fucking 15 friends down. I'm going to fucking play belters. Mm. And those 15 friends are going to, oh, man, sick. And the bartenders are <laughs> raging. And it's like it kicks off. And then by 5 a.m., it's a, it's like a zombie apocalypse. You know, mm. people are burnt out. They've spent all their money. There's some CD action going on. You know, it doesn't have this, like, this beauty to it. Um, so I, I also see that happening with the scene. There is this divergence where people aren't being educated and it feels kind of arrogant in a way saying that, but it's kind of, I just feel that there's like, there isn't, there isn't the role models and the, and the maturity mm. that I'd like to see with the younger generations. And then our generation that have been doing it for a while, I feel the full flip, which is like, oh, we just want to be connecting with each other, mm. dropping in, allowing space for emotions and like conscious communication and like, we're not just here to have a sick one. We're, we're here to be with each other. Mm. And whatever happens in that space is welcome. And, mm. and it's beautiful that both of those exist because neither one is better than the other. It's just like both are happening. I don't know where this one's going to go. Yeah. I don't know what happens to music. Like we might end up just playing Gabba again, which is like 150, 160 BPM. Yeah. And just like, yeah. You think it will come back around though. It always you know, does. It, so it's, my friend Anyo. Yeah. One of the I fucking love that guy, man. One of the greatest DJs that's ever walked Australia. I haven't traveled the world enough to say, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's not the, the earth. So humble and so down earth. He's been playing house music for 25 plus years in Melbourne alone. He's wow. been he's played around, but he his home has always been Melbourne. And he has reminded me so many times that house music just never dies. And it's not, it's not a genre thing, but for me, it's what house embodies. House embodies slowness sexiness playfulness fun it doesn't have to be hard it doesn't have to be bang it doesn't have to be serious and i'm constantly reminded that he has seen cycle after cycle after cycle mm. and he's still here doing it at the top of his game For you know sure. so i think it will get wild and then in that wildness because it's funny like techno was like this underground music mm. there wasn't mainstream te techno clubs there wasn't many. There was maybe one or two when I was growing up, when I was 18. Now techno is like mainstream. When this gets to a point where it's super mainstream, the underground, there's always this, this yeah, seesaw. Man. The underground's yeah. like, man, we want to do like slow, like dirty disco parties. And then people start running these smaller intimate parties offering the opposite of what's mainstream. Mm. And then that'll get popular. And then eventually techno will be underground again and like, it just kind of constantly these ebbs and flows. Mm. Um, I have full faith that it'll it'll come back around, yeah. um, but I do think it's important to 
and this definitely inspired me with my courses and stuff. What I wanted to offer is like, I want to find ways to be a positive role model. Yep. And I want people to know how beautiful and special playing music is. Mm. And for me, it's so much more than just having a sick one, getting fucked up and being a rock star for an hour. It's like, I t it's an honor to be curating the, ex the music that supplies people that supports people's experiences on mm. a night out. Like it's an absolute honor. Mm. I love that, man. It's like you're seeing the hole in the market and you're feeling it. You're giving back what was given to you, that role model mm. shit, you know, that, that, and also coming into your mastery. That's all I'm hearing. Mm. I'm hearing that you went to the limits of where your ego wanted to go, where anyone would want to go, yeah. being the man. Like I've had that experience of being this certain archetype in a place, feeling like I had to fit that in and then coming right around and going, wait a minute, I've fulfilled the personal brand, the professional idea of who I could ever be and that's not sustaining it. And now I'm completely unfucking plugging from that, from divine intervention from your beautiful partner. Mm. And then you're going all the way back, as you said, and now you've dipped your toes and you've come back, you're like, you're like, wait a minute, rather than just going, fuck that, it's lost its way, which mm. I think is the easy one. Oh, festivals are shit now, that shit, yeah, I'm done yeah, with that. 100%. And, and, and it's an easy cop out. Or it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> I really care about what this is about. Yeah. What do I want to give back to something that mm. gave me this community, that gave me this understanding of what I could express within myself? Mm. And that's in everything that you're doing now. Mm. Thank you for the reflection, man. It feels really nice to be seen and like, I guess like supported, you know? Um, yeah, it feels good. It feels like I do care and I know the essence is still there and it's worth holding on to that vision and like igniting it. And um, there is also just within that broader discussion, there is so many talented up and coming DJs. Like mm. it's not, there isn't this generalized like young people aren't good and old people have got it worked out. It's like I have, I've been working one on, we're doing one-on-one -on -one sessions at home, doing DJ lessons and production lessons with a lot of people over the last couple of years. And I'm learning so much wow. from the next generation. And that's always the way. It's always actually how knowledge is passed on. Like every like every child will out out learn their parent and then they will be outlearned by their children. Yeah. Like we have more access to information than our parents did, more streamlined processes of of information and learning. And so we've just like we can learn so much more and then our kids are going to be in a technological age that is far surpassed what we currently live mm -hmm. in. Um, and so it's also, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly like being humbled by like what's coming up. You know, mm -hmm. I, I definitely don't have this bitterness, which I do some friends and some people and colleagues in, in the scene, there is a bitterness. Mm. Oh, it's fucking shit, man. These young kids don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like. That's classic though, man. It's classic. Sorry, it's, cla it's classic and it's fair enough because people give a fuck. But again, man, it's when somebody throws a can on the ground, I can go, young people, or I can walk up to them and go, hey, dude, just to give you some awareness mm. of the impact of that. And call them in, not call them out. Totally. Oh, yeah. I like that. Call yeah. them in. Call them in always. And, and that's why I love that what you're doing. I mean, just to touch on that, there was a yeah. funny memory popped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being at Strawberry and I was dancing on the main stage and there was a circle of like younger dudes, like real kind of laddie, like boys, boys. And they were just cracking nang after nang and passing nang around and just tipping the empty nang on the sand on the main stage. And like, I didn't, I didn't vocally let them in in a way now that my mature self probably would have like spoken about the environmental impacts and just like someone has to clean that up, you know, like how would you like, you know, if someone did that in your house, like this is someone's home, this is animal's home, blah, blah, blah. 
but I just like made it very like obvious. I was like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Like pushed it back. I was like, oh, someone dropped all these names and just like started picking up all these names. I'm like, wow, there's so much rubbish here. Like, oh, can you believe, you know, like kind of like be a smart ass yeah. about like to expose the fact that it's like they may have actually not noticed or not had the awareness that that's really disgusting and unnecessary. Like there's bins everywhere at festivals. Like, no, they no, make no. it so easy for us. Like, also, just carry a little bag, you know, whatever it is. But, yeah, it's funny that, like, letting him in, instead of being, like, flipping him off and just being, like, dickheads, like, you know, uh, you know, and just being angry about it. It was, like, you know, I ended up having a chat with them. They were nice people. And it's, like, also not getting angry at people who aren't, don't have, the, don't have access to the wisdom or the knowledge that I've accumulated. Like, if there's young DJs who haven't seen a great warm-up set, it's not their fault. A hundred percent. You know? Not. If they're smashing TikTok every day and they go to a club and they want to just see... TikTok remixes and all these famous songs and don't they don't want to hear music they don't know. That's not their fault. Like no. it, everyone's a product of their environment. And I had the opportunity to be the one to deliver them that knowledge. Well, what an honor. You know, like right. I actually get to go out there and flex and be like, because and it's it, it's funny, man. I say this in like a very proud way because I know that I have a talent for what I do. You're fucking great, man. And I, thank there's, you. there's no doubt. And I and I'll say it here and I say it on every dance floor and I always look up at you. I'm I'm a bit of a groover myself. A real groover. And, and I sit there and I look to the person next to me all the time. I go, see, Vecchio is the only person I know that can be DJing and at the same time still be the best mover on the dance floor. <laughs> and it irks the shit out of me because I'm putting effort in out there. Yeah. But that speaks to your performance, man. It's totally. It's absolute invitation in. Yeah. And with that, there, I also know that I have I can break down the barrier. Yeah. So I can, I through my performance, through that engagement with the music, that is – startling enough for people as an audience. Where did this guy go? Like, mm. what, what an animal. How much is getting into it? That it can suspend their doubts and their judgments around the music that I'm playing. Mm. And so I have this special in where I can play to crowds that don't love my music. And by the end of the set, they're like, what What? what was that? What, what, is, what do you call this music? You know, it's like, it's like a superpower in a way to be like, use my energy and my performance to educate them. <laughs> And not just be like, you don't get it. Like, I'm playing my music. You, you, you don't get it. But it's like, oh, like, I'm going to put on a fucking show, whether you like it or not. But I'm pretty certain by the end of the show, you're probably going to like it, mm. you know? feels good, man. It feels, yeah. So tell me, what is this new iteration, mm. you know, this plugging back in, uh, the new machine? I hate to use that word. But the new Luke Vecchio bringing back into the scene. Because you're still there. You're still in it. Totally. Totally. I'm still in it. And that that you know, in itself has been a crazy journey to to unplug so drastically mm. and then to step back in mm. and find balance and find a place in all of that environment that once was my home and now is no more, you know. Mm. I always have a place there, but it's not like I don't live for that. I, I have a life, a very satisfying life that's outside of DJing and DJing is an aspect of my life. I mean, the things that I've put in place now are like I only play one gig per weekend, no more. I will not take multiple bookings. I like conserve my energy so that when I show up, I'm fully present and I'm fully able to deliver what I, my magic to in that in that moment. Um, I'm sober as well, which for me is allowing me to be really true to myself and authentic and not get carried up in the periphery of the scene, but I'm there. And when I'm playing music, my phone's in my bag, mm. I'm on, I'm not rushing to the bar between songs to get more drinks or have a shot. I'm, for the hours that I'm booked, I put my head down 
and I do what I'm there to do. I'm not actually there to do anything else other than play the music. I'm barely there socializing. Like I get in, I play my set and I leave. And if it's a friend's party or it's a day party, I'll stick around. If there's people that I haven't seen in a while, beautiful to have a catch up. Like I love, there's some people from the scene that I haven't fully connected with outside of the scene. Mm. And it's actually like, oh man, I'm actually a proper soul family, you know? And it's nice to to check in with them. Um, But yeah, so for me, it's like, see less of me and hear more of me. Mm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, you know? That's that's fantastic. And it speaks to like, like the becoming of a man, the adult. It's the unseen hours mm. and it's letting the work do the talking, uh, letting the music do the talking. Mm. Love that. See less of me, hear more of me. Well, it's been phenomenal to hear you today. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for like downloading me into your journey, being super vulnerable with what mm. that looked like. Yeah, thank you. For surfing with me because mm. that was an absolute surf. Yeah, like, we're riding hard. <laughs> man, I was like we could go forever right now. Uh, <laughs> but I think we got what what I was looking for, which yeah. is, you know, what was actually behind the decks, mm. the experiences of that and what that journey has given you to then come back to give back to mm. the future DJs but also just the the past use totally. going out there, giving it their all and getting lost in something that is so enjoyable but may not be the best thing for their longevity. Beautifully said. It's Beautifully epic, said. man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It's like it's been really special to be able to talk about my experience, talk about my journey and mm-hmm. have the space to do it and not feel like overly indulgent in doing that. Like you're, mm-hmm. It's like I, I do believe that people could get benefit from my journey my story like i've made a lot of dumb decisions and fucked up a lot of things and spent a lot of rent monies before paying rent and so doing certain things like i would yeah i'm just like really grateful to be able to have the space to talk share my story and know naturally that people who resonate will resonate and that's great Mm. yeah and what you're doing here is amazing you know like it's it's really special to create a, a moment where two people can really sit down and have an honest conversation and from that everyone in the outer circle of that these two people like today it's you and me Mm -hmm. gets to know like i know you more now Mm -hmm. and when i watch other episodes i get to know that person more and then when i show up to them hey man i heard what you said on the podcast like i just want to left like thank you and like i had a similar experience like it's a point of connection even if i haven't connected with that person yet Mm -hmm. you're like opening the doors people can now approach me and resonate and have a conversation about anything i've shared on today and we don't have to go through the long backstory, yeah, you know, man. It's fast it's tracking connection. It is, man, and it's just elevating people in my community that inspire me. Mm. I, I really, and always have coached the thought that not just that people have a story to tell if you ask them, mm. but there is power and wisdom in our community. If I knock on my next door neighbor's door, they're either going to have the answer to my question or the butter to butter my bread. Mm. I don't have to always reach out or pedestal these individuals that are so far away in America, all around the world. Like it's in my community. If I want to go and learn how to connect deeper to the music that I'm creating, I'm going to call fucking Luke Vecchio because mm. he's got that. And mm. that's what you've projected. And he's, he's got that deep downloaded in knowledge. Plus he was a sick cunt playing in a fucking club. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah, that's, that's the point of it, man. And, I, and I'm really excited to, for everything you got uh, going on. Uh, I, I'd love to leave a little bit of space. Like, what's the way that people can connect with you? Yeah, great. So um, I'm 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 definitely semi-active on Instagram these days. I created new accounts and like uh, I'm re-emerging into that space, and and it feels good at the moment. 
Um, so yeah, Instagram is is probably like for like what gigs I'm playing and little snippets of music and stuff. My SoundCloud and Spotify, I guess, is like where you know you can listen to my music. Um, but soon there'll be a there'll be a website. Um, it's the School of Inspired Arts. That's what I'm. That's my offering at the moment. And so I'll be developing a website and I'll potentially, by the time this goes out, it might be ready. Awesome. If, <clears throat> if not, I can just keep Jarrah updated with the links so that when it is live, you, the people who watch the networks can get them. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Epic. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Vex, People's Champ, thanks for delivering this. <laughs> thank you so man. much, bro. I love you big time. I man. love you so much, bro. Yeah, thank you. Well, 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 would you look at that? You made it to the end of this podcast. It must mean you enjoyed yourself. And if you want to support myself in this new venture, please like, subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thank you for all the help and support. Of course, I'll see you here next time on... Oh, oh.